Morning Connect. Wow, here in the room and to uh, all of you joining us online. So good to see you today. What a thrill to be filling in for Dave. Wow, um, truly an honor. My name is Keith. Um, friends call me PK. Thank you very much. Um, I'm not a pastor's kid, um, but I am Pastor Keith. PK. Yeah. So anyway, uh, but I'm a pastor. I'm a dad of four, six, if you count our two dogs, husband of one wife, son of one mom. I'm a marketing uh, project leader, uh, distance runner, and uh, you may notice my hometown, Henry, Illinois, accent. Yeah, right, or maybe not, but... Hey, today is the, uh, the big finale of Moses, and um, if you're here for the first time or missed any of the parts of this series, make sure to go out to Connect website, get caught up. It's just been a, a, great, a great series, and so get caught up on that. Over these past several weeks, there's a quote that uh, Dave shared by D.L. Moody that sums up this Bible hero perfectly. Moses spent... 40 years thinking he was somebody. 40 years learning he was nobody. And 40 discovering that God can, what God can do with a nobody. And here's where we've been so far. Moses is born in Egypt to Hebrew parents. They set him afloat in a basket on the Nile to save him from an edict calling for the death of all newborn Hebrew males. Miraculously, he's found by the Pharaoh's daughter and raised in the Egyptian palace. After killing a brutal Egyptian taskmaster, thinking it was time to, to launch the rescue mission for his fellow Israelites, Moses ends up fleeing to a place called Midian. That was the first 40 years of Moses, right there. Now, not much happens in Midian until one day God communicates to Moses through a burning bush, calling him to deliver the Israelites from many, many years in slavery to Pharaoh. And Whitney showed how Moses, in his late 70s at the time, made excuse after excuse to decline but God convinces him to say yes. And off he goes to confront Pharaoh. But of course, things go from bad to worse. As Moses makes the freedom request to Pharaoh, Pharaoh doubles down on the workload on the already strained Israelites. And last week, we saw how God unleashed a barrage of plagues on Egypt in an attempt to soften the heart of one really stubborn Pharaoh. Today, we wrap up the second 40 years of Moses' life. At age 80, we will see how, spoiler alert, freedom from slavery finally plays out through the calling on this man's life. Let's start in the year 1991, Sacramento, California. Four boys, the oldest 21, 
part of a gang called the Oriental Boys. They take 39 hostages in an outlet store called Good Guys. It's a robbery gone bad. They presented a series of demands showing that they had no plan whatsoever. They asked for a million dollars each first. Then they asked for 40. For 40 1,000-year-old ginseng roots so they could brew tea. Seriously. They later asked for a plane to Thailand so they could uh, fight the Viet Cong who'd killed their fathers. Most consistently, they demanded bulletproof vests. To deliver, they convinced one hostage to agree to be shot in the leg and released, at which time the vests would be given in exchange. After a standoff lasting the whole day and through a series of strange events, a SWAT team stormed the place. One of the four criminals survived because he wore a bulletproof vest and he received 49 consecutive life sentences. Convicted of three murders plus attempted murder and kidnapping. An eight plus hour standoff. 40 people held against their will, but a successful rescue to freedom for most of them. It's the largest hostage rescue in American history. What if we changed the standoff to over 400 years? Four generations held against their will in a foreign land. What if it didn't start with a failed robbery attempt, but a famine in the land forces a patriarch named Jacob to make a tough call and travel with his extended family of 70 to a foreign land to both live in better conditions and be near his son. The destination was Egypt. It saw the Israelites prosper and rapidly multiply into hundreds of thousands of people. The numbers grew so great that the king of Egypt, called a pharaoh, became nervous that the Israelites were becoming too numerous, too numerous to control, and decreed they should be enslaved to build cities, structures, and roads for him. Enter Moses. Here's what I've learned in this series. It boils down to one verse. Remember the conversation at the burning bush. God tells Moses he has seen the misery of his people. He's heard them crying out and he's come down to rescue them. Then comes the one verse. Exodus 3 Verse 10, so Moses, go. Don't miss the exclamation point. Moses, go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to free my people. Moses' life is centered around being the catalyst for freeing people from physical bondage 
and even spiritual bondage. The bottom line is freedom. As we close out the series, we're going to see a long-awaited rescue. And most importantly, how it applies to us today. We may not be in physical bondage to a king, but what are we slaves to? What strongholds are we chained to? Is it fear, doubt, money, gossip, debt, lust, addiction, self-condemnation, anxiety, depression, complacency? No matter how big or small, these are things that hold us down, distort reality, steal our joy and our identity, keep us from fulfilling the God-planted dreams we were made for. We wanna stop, but just can't break free. The first 80 years of Moses' life ends with celebration and this truth. All of us can experience real freedom. Real freedom from bondage and strongholds in our lives by embracing three chain breakers. Three chain breakers in Israel's deliverance to freedom led by Moses. So here we go, let's jump in. Chain breaker number one. God is an earth shaker. God is an earth shaker. We have to know without a doubt that God has the power to shake our world in ways that many would declare impossible. We have to believe he does his best work in the realm of the impossible. If you were here last week, you recall that God shook the Egyptians' world a little bit with nine plagues, each one kind of evolving from the inconvenience of digging for new water sources to the irritation of smelly frogs, gnats, and flies to the trauma of dead livestock, festering boils, ruined vegetation, complete darkness. They kept getting more intense. Well, there's one more. The Lord tells Moses to go and warn Pharaoh, it's time for round 10. Heads up, Pharaoh, here's what God is going to do next. Let's pick it up in Exodus 11. About midnight, I, God, will go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die. From the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn son of the female slave who is at her hand mill, and all the firstborn of the cattle as well. There will be loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than there has ever been or ever will be again. That would certainly get your attention, wouldn't it? If the previous nine plagues shook the land, this one is gonna rock the nation on a very personal level. 
everyone's and everything's oldest sons, including Pharaoh's, will die. When we talk about God being an earth shaker, I feel we seldom pause to realize that he can do anything. That he's all powerful, earth shaking, powerful, earth shaking power. My brain can only comprehend something like a D11 caterpillar tractor. Cat's biggest bulldozer. Back in the day, I was a cat guy, and I can still remember how D11s would come off the assembly line, thundering by as I, I stood there in the plant, heading to the storage lot out back. You could feel, I mean, you could feel the ground just shaking. 236,000 pounds thundering along on iron tracks, 936 horsepower. I mean, talk about power. But a D11 is man-made. Did you know that the universe is still expanding? God said four words, let there be light. That power is still on the move today. The Hubble telescope still in operation out in the universe. has seen an estimated 200 billion galaxies. And the universe is still growing. Four words. If God can shake the universe with four words, why do we think our own power is good enough to break the strongholds that enslave us. Fear, doubt, anxiety, addiction, self-condemnation, insecurity, no match for God's power. Too often, I think we're like the seminary professor who happened to be seated next to a young boy on an airplane who was on his way to visit his grandparents. The boy was reading a Sunday school take-home paper, and the professor thought he would have some fun with the lad. Young man, if you can tell me something God can do, I'll give you a big shiny apple. Boy thought for a moment, and then replied, Mister, if you can tell me something God can't do, I'll give you a whole barrel of apples. That's the power we should all be living in. A barrel of apples mindset. With the first nine plagues, God initiated a few tremors in Egypt, a couple aftershocks, rattled some hillsides. But now God is warning. He's about to shake some serious foundations if Pharaoh does not relent and free the Israelites. He's been serious from the start, but now God is warning of something that you can almost hear Pharaoh saying, it's impossible. You wouldn't dare. I'm calling your bluff on this one, God. One of my, one of my favorite exchanges in the Bible. It's so good. It's one day when a dad brought his son to Jesus to heal him. The boy is possessed by an evil spirit and he struggled for years and years. 
And in their exchange, the dad says, Jesus, have mercy on us and help us if you can. I love Jesus' response. It's so good. Mark 9, 23. What do you mean, if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. Now picture yourself around a table at the blend or your favorite coffee shop. Just you and Jesus hanging out there. And you say something that makes Jesus look you square in the eye and say, what do you mean if I can? Uh, Oops, let me rephrase that one, Jesus. Let's try that one again. For centuries, God has rocked our world. He does it in the things that we deem logical, possible, probable. We accept those, but listen, this, his ways are not our ways and our ways are not his ways. He is an atypical God. He does his best work in the realm of the impossible. And that's the realm that we struggle with the most. I want you to remember this moving forward. Your power can raise, eye, can raise some eyebrows. God's power raises the dead. When we believe anything is possible, strongholds begin to crumble, chains vibrate and shatter, darkness trembles, lies our enemy tells us we believe and are enslaved to begin to rumble and rattle. Chain breaker number one, God is an earth shaker. But there's something else in this story. Chain breaker number two, God is the way maker. God gets our attention with his power and then always, always gives us a to-do list. Don't you hate that? He rocks our world first and then makes a path we have to follow. The Caterpillar D11 dozer is not made just to shake the ground. It's made to move a lot of dirt and make a way. The 10 plagues that shook Egypt would have likely been enough for Pharaoh to wave the white flag. But God is an earth shaker and the way maker. He requires action from us. So the warning has been issued to Pharaoh and now God shifts his attention to Moses and the Israelites. Operation Passover is born. Let's read on in Exodus. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this month is to be for you the first month. The first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family one for each household. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses 
where they eat the lambs. This is how you are to eat it. With your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand, eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. Obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you as he promised, observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord. Hundreds of years of bondage, cruel punishment, mental abuse, mocking, you name it. It was all about to be undone if, if the Israelites followed God's pathway to freedom. He provided every detail, the who, what, when, where, and how. He required Israel to act. This section of scripture shows us that the way to freedom and breaking strongholds always requires a few things. It requires sacrifice. Year-old male lambs without defect. Don't miss the significance. The sacrifice of a male without defect was costly. Strong male goats, sheep, Cows, they produce good babies. If an animal is a physically perfect specimen, owners would want to make sure those genes are passed along. Following God's lead to freedom always requires tremendous trust, cost, sacrifice. Look at what else is required of the Israelites. This one's a little bit interesting. God says they should be ready. Where does it say that? Watch this. With your cloak tucked in your belt, your sandals on your feet, your shepherd's staff in your hand, eat in haste. Why? Because they should be expectant that freedom can come quickly. Yes, breaking free is a process, but knowing that God is the way maker means freedom is always just moments away. Be ready. I think this one here, I think this one's here for two reasons. Number one, it would prove Israel truly believed God would provide freedom in a moment. But I think number two, a sense of urgency always pushes desire forward. It keeps desire moving forward with high priority. Motivational speaker Jim Rohn says it this way, without a sense of urgency, desire loses its value. God shows us here 
that freedom loses its value if we aren't actively ready for it. So there's sacrifice, there's be ready. And I love the other thing in this section so much. It says in there, a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. Every time freedom conquers our soul, it impacts those around us and the next generation. It's the domino effect. It's the domino effect. It wasn't just about Moses. It wasn't just about the Israelites. It's not just about us. When we walk the aisle free of the chains of bitterness, fear, unforgiveness, addiction, self-condemnation, our circle of influence has legacy written all over it. Real life stories of freedom are contagious. And God exponentially multiplies them. There's so much at stake. One of my favorite sayings, think of it this way. Um, there are people counting on you that you haven't even met yet. There are people counting on you that you haven't even met yet. I love this, and another way to put it, I just love this. I found this uh, not long ago, and it's just, it just keeps coming back to me. Look at this one. Your purpose is not in the thing you do. It's the thing that happens in others when you do what you do. I love that so much. That's gold. Freedom only ignited in the generations to come when Moses fulfilled his purpose. Freedom breeds freedom because God is the way maker. The big picture is becoming clear, right? We can experience real freedom from the chains of bondage and strongholds in our lives by embracing that God is an earth shaker. He is the way maker. And there's one more. Chain breaker number three. God is a risk taker. God is a risk taker. We generally do not think of the creator of all things as a risk taker, but maybe we've never paused long enough to consider it. Professional gamblers are known to take some pretty crazy proposition bets. One guy bet 10,000 bucks that he could learn to do a standing backflip in two months. And he did it. He won the bet. An avowed vegan ate a hamburger to win 10,000 bucks from a fellow poker professional. Theodore Geisel, not sure if that name rings a bell, better known as Dr. Seuss, won a bet with his publisher, Bennett Cerf. Cerf wagered that Geisel could not write a book using just 50 words. The result, green eggs and ham. But one of my favorites, pool player turned poker pro John Hennigan vowed to spend a month living in Des Moines, Iowa. Specifically, he was confined to one street, 
one hotel, one restaurant, one bar, and they all closed at 10 p.m. Johnny said he'd take the bet with one concession. He could practice and play golf at a local golf course. All right. 30,000 bucks says you can't make it 30 days in Des Moines, Iowa, Johnny. Now, here's the deal. Johnny was a single guy who had moved from Philadelphia to Las Vegas. His big city lifestyle was mainly living the nightlife as a professional poker player. His nickname was Johnny World. Action was all over his, I mean, Action was his middle name for crying out loud. But surely, surely he could pause his life for 30 days in the home of the Drake Bulldogs. An easy 30 grand, right? He made it two days. He made it two days. Johnny went all in on Des Moines, Iowa and lost handily. Have you ever considered that God goes all in on you every day of your life? He's your biggest fan. He knows who you are, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and still goes all in on you, your purpose, and your freedom every day. The finale of Operation Passover has arrived for Moses and the Israelites. Let's take a look back in Exodus. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night and there was loud wailing in Egypt. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, up, leave my people, you and the Israelites, Go worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and your herds as you have said and go and also bless me. The Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country for otherwise they said we're all gonna die. There were about 600,000 men on foot besides women and children. Many other people went with them and also large droves of livestock, both flocks and herds. Freedom, freedom has come. God shook the earth with signs and wonders. He made a way through with the first Passover and he went all in on Moses and the Israelites that they would trust him and follow his path and they did it. God went all in on a million Israelites who could have easily said, I mean, you can imagine, they could have easily said, why should we listen to you, Moses? Why should we do what God is supposedly telling you to tell us to do? 
Why should we do what, what God is supposedly telling you? Why, Moses? It's been 430 years since we've had freedom and our own homeland. We're just going to figure this out on our own. Just, just tell God we got this. I mean, I can hear him saying that. But God went all in on them anyway. And the 400 years of bondage were over and would be celebrated every year at a Passover festival. But I want to pause and I want to say, wait. God went all in on you and me too. As Israel's story of freedom closes, God's plan for our freedom it gains momentum. Jump ahead 1,400 years from Moses. There's a babe born in a manger. Jump further. Listen to a guy named John the Baptist. It's John 1.29. John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Lamb of God, Lamb. Remember the Passover Lamb. Remember God's protection. The blood of an innocent, male, perfect, spotless Lamb. That blood will be a powerful sign. It will save Israel. It will cause God to pass over. The Easter weekend story. Good Friday, as we call it. It was actually Passover Friday. Jesus, the Lamb of God, as John called him, bled and died on a cross on Passover. Jesus' blood will save us, protect us. It will bring freedom to us as God recognizes us, a chosen son and daughter. Remember where the blood of the lamb was to be placed on the top, on the sides of the door. Look at the bottom. See that down there? You, you can't miss that, too, because, you know, when the blood was put on top, it's going gonna, it's gonna to naturally fall down there at the bottom. Take another look at the door. You can see it. The cross. Jesus' cross. And there's one more. We can't leave this out. One day, Jesus was teaching in the synagogue when he said this in the fourth chapter of Luke. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be what? Will be set free. And that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Man, the Israelites' freedom 
transcended across the generations to you and me. Through Moses and ultimately through Jesus. Knowing our nature, God still went all in. He went all in on his son, Jesus, counting on him to come down as the perfect sacrificial lamb to rescue us. The power of his blood to be our protection. The power of his love to shatter the hinges of our shackles, his resurrection to demolish our strongholds. His name, his name to set us free from the bondage of sin. Check out the screen just for a moment. Seems pretty fast. Yeah, in every direction. Hell, he's so beat up, it's hard to tell what he's like. I just can't help feeling they got him so screwed up running in a circle, he's forgotten what he was born to do. He just needs to learn how to be a horse again. Well, how do you do that? Do you want me to take him? Until he stops. Okay. That seems like a pretty good ride. Hope so. Biscuit lost his first 17 races until he was transformed by a new owner, one who trained him to run free. You started as God's idea before you took your first breath. Man, you were the best idea. He's gone all in on you ever since. You were born with tremendous value, tremendous purpose for this exact season. God is an earth shaker. He's an earth shaker for you. He's the way maker for you. He's all in on you. 
it doesn't matter where you've been. I think Jelly Rolls said it best a week ago, right? There's a reason why that windshield is much bigger than that rearview mirror. It doesn't matter where you've been. Stop running in scattered circles. Break free. Show this world what you got. Let's pray. God, just thank you so much for who you are. We, we tend to say that all the time. The truth of the matter is, is thank you for going all in on us. We thank you for Moses. We thank you for this story. We thank you for what you did in the lives of so many back then. But most importantly, God, thank you for letting that freedom transcend to us today. That was just the beginning. It's kind of like the Bible's still being written out through our lives. Everybody in this room and watching online, Lord, you are the shaker of this world. You make a way for us. We just have to follow. We just have to do what you tell us to. And then, even knowing our nature, you go all in on us, just counting on the fact that freedom is going to come. It's going to come through your son. Spirit, just thank you for everything that you're doing in this place right now. I just, I sense there are many of us who need to look at this freedom thing a little closer. And may we always reflect back on Moses' Operation Passover and how it can completely transform our journey, wherever it is we're at right now. We praise you for who you are. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.